Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 26 of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I am here. Shout out to Tom Postbacall in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Uh, the Studio A thing is for Tom. Tom is a, a faithful listener uh, to the podcast, and he always wants me to mention that we're in Studio A. And so here we are in Studio A, not to be mistaken with Studio B. All right. And we are studying the Torah portion yet again. This time it is Ki Tisa, when you elevate. And this can be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 30, verse 11, through chapter 34, verse 35. Lots of interesting things happening in this Torah portion. Lots of stuff to cover. So we're going to jump right in. All right. We're going to go into question number one. What was the amount of the ransom for each soul among the children of Israel? Exodus 30, 13. This was a half shekel. Once again, what we're talking about here is a tax for the tent, a tax for the tent, and uh, we're going to be getting into this. Uh, question number two, what was the age requirement to give an offering to the Lord? It was 20 years old and over. 20 years of, of age and above, absolutely. Uh, that's Exodus thirty fourteen. so 20 years of age and above were counted with a half shekel. And uh, question number three in Exodus thirty sixteen: what was the atonement money used for? Uh, this is going to be for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation for a memorial. And that's in uh, chapter 30, verse 16. Once again, a memorial. And notice that there's no different breakup of the classes. Uh, all gave a half shekel. Uh, and so that's very interesting. Uh, for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation for a memorial. Once again, now we're going we're gonna to move on here because we have question number four. What was the labor made of? Exodus 30, 18. Uh, labor was a uh, brazen uh, labor was made of brass. Very good. Made of brass. Once again, the labor is in the outer court. This is an area that is exposed to the elements. Uh, the altar was, of course, at the very forefront of this tabernacle from the east. And once you proceeded past the altar of burnt offering, you would come across the labor, which is made of brass. And it's actually made of the looking glasses of the women in Exodus 38.8. So once again, this has to be kind of like a reflection uh, of ourselves as we look at this. In question number five, what was to be put in the laver? Uh, so water was in the laver, and it was used for, I guess the second half of that question, uh, to wash hands and feet. And you know, Vince uh, Bardot was a guest uh, at our tour study last night, and he made a good point that uh, when you come, you know, the water is, is representative of the Word of God, because you can wash in the water of the Word. And you're washing your hands and your feet, where you go and what you do. And so if, and you see your reflection in this because it's made of the looking glasses of the women. So not only are we seeing ourselves in it, but when we read the Bible, we should be able to uh, say, this is the, the standard. How do I measure up to the standard? What, how do I see myself in a, in a good light, in a bad light, so on and so forth? And, and only we really know um, in our heart and in our spirit uh, how, how we're doing, right? And then also, since we're washing, what we do will improve, and where we go will improve. Our, our steps will be guided by the Lord because we're in the Word, and we're washed by the Word, and what we do will be successful uh, and will be pure because we're in the Word, and so we're guided by the Word. That's very interesting. You know, once again, 
if we look at this particular instance of the labor, we have in Ephesians, I believe, 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So once again, we go to the altar of burnt offering. We're born again. We have our sacrifices, our five sacrifices. And we move on to the laver, which is, of course, is a representation of the word of God made from the looking glasses of the women. And in James 1.23, it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. Amen. So once again, this is very important that we understand that particular point. Once again, this outer court is exposed you know, to the elements. To the, to the point of that verse, there is one other thing. You know, um, When you're reading these scriptures, the question, I guess, is when they're referring to the Word or to Scripture, uh, which which part of the scripture are they referring to? Would that be the Pauline epistles, or would that be maybe the it's, book of James? It's the prophets and then and the Torah, Torah right. and the prophets and the writings. So they're talking about reading the Torah and the prophets. Wow, that's an interesting point. We're going to get some more details in regards to the uh, five ingredients that make up the anointing oil in Exodus thirty verses twenty three and twenty four. And what are they? Very cool stuff. So this is going to be pure myrrh. Uh, sweet cinnamon, sweet calamus, cassia, uh, and olive oil. Once again, these are the five ingredients to make up the anointing oil. And were the priests commanded by the Lord to anoint the tabernacle and themselves, Exodus 30, 26, and 30. Absolutely. So once again, uh, they were commanded to anoint the tabernacle and themselves. And what does that mean to actually anoint, but to set apart? To set apart. That's what the anointing uh, oil does. Now, were the priests allowed to make something like the anointing oil... Or put it on a stranger. No, this was for a specific purpose, this this anointing oil. Exodus 30, verses 32 and 33. Once again, uh, this is not to use in a secular purpose or outside the realm of a religious purpose or to anoint. So uh, question number 10 of the Torah questionnaire, what four ingredients made up the incense in Exodus 30, 34? So you guys will have to excuse me as I butcher the names of these uh, <laughs> spices. Stacti. Stacti. Onica. Onica. Okay. Galbanum. Galbanum and frankincense. And frankincense. Yeah. You know, we were talking about frankincense last night at our Torah study, and that's really an incredible uh, oil to use oh, yeah. uh, for yourself. We even passed it multi, around. Multi-purpose. People got use to sniff for it. frankincense. Absolutely. And uh, so, moving on here, we've we've talked about the half shekel. We've talked about the laver. We've talked about the anointing oil, and of course, the uh, ingredients to make up the incense. Uh, now we're going to get into some two gentlemen. Uh, Actually, what, what two people did the Lord call out first in Exodus 31, verse 2 and 6? So it's going to be Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and Aholiab, uh, the son of Asher uh, Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. You can get into this, of course, later in, in regards to what they actually were, were in charge of doing. But, you know, you got to think about this, that the pattern in heaven had to be displayed on earth. So there had to be a vision. There had to be some 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 drawings or something to that degree. But uh, very fascinating that these two gentlemen were going to be used uh, of the Lord first. Uh, now we're moving into the Shabbat and question number 13. What was the penalty for defiling the Shabbat? 
Exodus 31, verses 14 and 15. Uh, the penalty for defiling the Sabbath was death. Um, so which, which means uh, the, the Sabbath is the most important feast because, Pastor, as you've mentioned many times, if you look at the penalty for certain things, you can see what type of a priority God puts on it. And so uh, not celebrating other feasts, you'd be penalized by basically um, being put outside the camp or being cut off from Israel. Uh, whereas with the Sabbath, uh, breaking the Sabbath was actually the penalty was death. And so uh, we can see that God really, uh, really put uh, a heavy priority or heavy weight upon the Sabbath being important. Of course, we know question number 14, what was the Shabbat or the Sabbath uh, for between the children of Israel and the Lord? Uh, once again, I have this in Exodus 31, 17. Uh, it is, of course, a day of rest. It is a uh, sign forever, and it is observed on the seventh day. Uh, once again, time doesn't permit me to read these verses, but a lot of times I like to share with Christians or even my pastor friends in regard to the, to the Shabbat and the Sabbath, you know, uh, I would say to them, hey, you know, there's, there's, there's prophecies about the Sabbath. Would you like to know about that? And they're like, sure. What's the prophecy about the Sabbath? I said, well, check this out. It says in Isaiah 66, 23, in Ezekiel 46, 1, in reference to the return of the Messiah, uh, when he comes back to rule and reign, that we will be honoring him on the Shabbat, you know? And so uh, that's, that's just a way to have a conversation, to get things going, and uh, we know it's one of the commandments Wait a second, so when Yeshua returns, he's going to reinstitute the Sabbath? Look at it. I mean, the, the Sabbath is never, ever... And uh, I've been referencing this with a few people that have even studied the Shabbat in the Old and New Testaments. They say nowhere in the Bible was the Shabbat ever changed from Saturday to Sunday in the Scriptures. Oh, okay. Good to know. Um, there's other uh, entities that have done that, other organizations. We're not going to get into that right now because that's not the purpose of the giving of the Torah portion. So we want to encourage you in this and not be fault-finding. But once again, I want to say this without a doubt. Nowhere in the Bible will you find where the Shabbat was changed from Saturday to Sunday. Praise from, God. And the Sabbath Friday night is, to Saturday night uh, to Sunday. You just, you're not going to find it. Yeah, and the Sabbath so, is such a gift. I mean, what, a, what an awesome And it was made thing. for us. So Absolutely. praise the Lord. If, if anybody needs rest today, it is us Amen. running around like chickens with our head cut off, trying right. to get everybody to a table. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's tough. So uh, what was written with the finger of God? Exodus 31, 18. The two tablets of the testimony are the tablets of stone. Two tables of testimony, the tables of stone. So once again, uh, what was written with the finger of God? The Torah. Yeah. The stone tablets Amen. were written with the finger of God. I think that's incredible. No, it's absolutely amazing. It's really, and we have this expression, is that written in stone? Yeah. Is that written in stone? Now, something came to mind as well. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and I want to read a few of these references because I thought it was kind of interesting. Um as far as the finger of God goes, uh, the finger of God is also used to point out the, the way or the direction. Uh, it's a reference used for the Hebrew root word for Torah, yara, to point out as if by aiming the finger. Mm. So if you want to give somebody directions or something, you would point your finger. But, you know, in Exodus, we have a situation here in Exodus chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. I want to read this to you. This is uh, going back to Pharaoh's court and those that would... Uh, be his magicians, and they're going to mention the finger of God. I, f I found this to be quite interesting. You know, I was listening to uh, uh, another podcast the other day, and I'm trying to remember uh, who it was, but they were talking about how the love of God is is found in the specific, 
And I think people are very afraid about the absolutes and things. But, you know, when you think about like uh, a husband and a wife, I specifically love my wife, right? The love is found in, within that. Um, and so, you know, the fact that God has specific things is not necessarily outside of the wheelhouse of, of you know, a God of love because he, the love is in these specific things. I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. God doesn't muster up love. He is love. Amen. You know, and so this 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 particular reference is Exodus chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Wow. So these magicians, even with their enchantments, they could not bring forth lice. I mean, that, that's incredible. And this is, of course, the finger of God. Uh, that's an Old Testament reference there. Uh, but if we go into the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, I want to take you to the fourth chapter. Because how many of you that Jesus is God? Amen. Amen. In, in Luke chapter 11, God is Jesus. Jesus is God. And we're not going to argue this fact. I mean, it's just redundant. I mean, it's just so prevalent. So here we go. Jesus and Beelzebub. So they're accusing Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, of having devils. That is ludicrous. That is ridiculous. But look at what he says here in Luke eleven, eighteen. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. Here we go. Verse 20. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Wow. Ryan, I had situations in my own personal life where I just started being obedient and observant and, and keeping the, the, the commandments of God in that sense by the Spirit and just simple instructions, Ryan. And I'm telling you, God delivered me of, of familiar spirits, of demons. You know, we know Mary Magdalene had seven devils and nobody wants to talk about this, but we right. need to talk about this because why? The bride is preparing herself. She's making herself ready. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out. Yeah. So now we're going to switch gears here. We're going to go right into the golden calf incident. And uh, this is definitely uh, would be labeled a tragedy among Shakespeare. This is a tragedy. Oh, absolutely. Question number 16. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mount, what did the people want Aaron to do? So uh, they wanted him to make gods. And I'm going to read this verse because there's a, an interesting little contrast here. Uh, it says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, uh, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for Moses, for as as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. So what they're saying here is make us something that's not perishable. So they're saying let's make a god out of gold, because Moses, the man, we don't know what happened to him. He went up to the mount. He's he's delaying to come down. Uh, keep in mind, he's only up there for 40 days, but for them, I guess this feels like an eternity. And This is after the giving of the Torah. Right, and right, and and also keep in mind of this, that they're saying that Moses brought them out of Egypt, and Moses did not bring them up out of Egypt, right? Maybe they could interpret it that way in their flesh, but we know that God himself, with the wonders, opening of the Red Sea, the pillar of fire, the cloud, um, all of this, that God himself brought them up out of Egypt. And so what they're doing is they're attributing God-like qualities to Moses, 
And then uh, in the same uh, moment saying, we need a God that we're familiar with, like from Egypt, that's not going to leave us, that we can pick up and move and take with us whatnot that's made out of something not perishable. So it was interesting how they compared Moses the man with something that would be a representative of God. Well, they were familiar with the Pharaoh claiming to be God as servants uh, of Pharaoh. But the, the thing is, it's the whole servant mentality. But Ryan, what's happening here is that there's a thing called syncretism. It's where you take truth and you mix a lie. That's and right. And so what's happened is they're attributing Yahweh to a golden calf. Syncretism. A point of contact, you know, and we know that items in the past that Israel has had, they've worshipped. Uh, the, the brazen serpent on the rod, you know, on, 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 on top of that. It's a medical symbol today. They began to worship that. That had to be discarded. And of course, uh, there's plenty of other examples, I'm sure, but but this is something that we need to be, be uh, leery of, you know. And, and once again, idolatry is whatever you give your strength to, whatever you draw your strength from. So here we go. Question number 17, when Aaron asked for all of the golden earrings from the people, what did he make with them? Uh, he made a, a molten calf. Exodus 32, 4, and here he goes. This is what he says. So after Aaron built an altar before the golden calf, he, he simply proclaimed, hey, in Exodus 32, 5, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. So it seems like he's trying to buy some time here, because he was, of course, left in charge. He's trying to buy some time here, and this is what they did in Exodus 32, 6. Ryan's going to read this, uh, Exodus 32, 6. All right, and so it says, And they rose up early on the morrow, and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now, that word play is not a good connotation. <laughs> no. This is not Foursquare. <laughs> this is not jump rope, okay? No. This is not this is not swinging on a swing set, okay? This is uh, actually not a good term. Yeah, and uh, so we there's don't... There's a lot of repercussions here. There is, and we don't want to blow over the Golden Calf incident. You know, this is something that uh, we're dealing with even today. Uh, that we have turned things in our lives into an idol and called it God um, or, or, or treated it as if it was God. And so, you know, sometimes it's our job, sometimes it's our spouse, our children, uh, sometimes it's our, our identity, or sometimes it's uh, a pastor or a teacher. Uh, there's a, a lot of things that we can, can do to put before God. And anything that we put before God, we have to remember that those are the things that need to be cast down, melted down, burnt, <laughs> because we need to focus on uh, on God and not on those things as our provision. And I want to just remind all of you listeners that the burnt offering is something that's totally consumed. So this is what they offered up. They offered up the burnt offerings, which were totally consumed. Now, the peace offerings, you get to eat. So they literally had... Uh, feed yourself barbecue. Wow. Peace offerings, you can actually partake in. And we're going to study that later in the book of Leviticus. So once again, they, 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 they created this as a very festive time, pleasurable time. Of course, they did the burnt offering, but now the peace offerings, they get to eat. So Moses, of course, uh, began to intercede for the people when the Lord wanted to destroy them. Exodus 32, verses 11 through 13. So Moses steps in as the intercessor. He wants to intercede for the people because the Lord wanted to destroy them. And of course, uh, Moses had two tables of, of the testimony in his hand. And uh, when, when he comes down, it's something very interesting. Uh, question number 24. When Joshua heard the shouting of the people, what did he tell Moses it was? Uh, he said that there's a noise uh, of war in the camp. You know what I love about Joshua? He's loyal. He's at the base of the mountain waiting for his master, the teacher, 
the leader, Moses, to come down. He had no idea what was going on inside the camp. And that's kind of like a lot of times with us. We don't even know what's going on in the world and some of these crazy trends and fads and things. And so, yeah. so Joshua was still waiting for Moses to return at the foot of the mountain. And so when Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and he saw dancing. And let me tell you something. This was not good, this particular uh, scene that he was uh, visualizing for himself. And, uh, of course, at that point, he broke them beneath the mount. Uh, he broke the two tables, Exodus 32, 19. So I guess Moshe, Moses gets an, an idea. He gets a, an idea for correction. He instructs them. Uh, Moses took the calf, which they had made, and ground it to powder, strewed it upon the water, and made the people drink it. So they literally stripped this calf of its power and made people ingest it. Wow. So that's that's interesting. Um, One of the more entertaining verses that we have in this story, uh, even though it probably shouldn't be entertaining or humorous, but I'm going to have Ryan read... uh, Exodus 32, 24, what was Aaron's excuse to Moses for the making of the golden calf? And I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire and there came out this calf. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I just don't believe that. (laughs) I don't believe that for a second. He threw the gold into the fire and it came out a calf. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. I just want to remind everyone that Aaron is a middle child. Uh, he's going to get a second chance at life, but he's the middle child. Miriam is the firstborn. Uh, it's then Aaron, and then Moshe, Moses, yeah. is the baby of the family. So if you're a middle child and you're in the middle of the pack, you know, usually the middle child, uh, a lot of times they can get in trouble. You know, they're not the firstborn, they're not the youngest. Mm-hmm. So if you're a middle child, just straighten up right now. You understand me? Uh, so that's going to be something to think about. Now, in Exodus 32, 28, uh, how many children of Israel were killed by the children of Levi? Because of the golden calf worship. Uh, so the number is 3,000, and uh, this number is significant. We see 3,000 in Acts. Right here, um, Acts 2.41. Yep. Peter's word was received, and 3,000 were baptized, born again and saved, on the Temple Mount, baptized. Which is awesome, and so this is, this is in the giving of the Spirit. But he, you know what else is cool about this number 3,000? Is this, I believe, is the first mention of 3,000 in the Bible. And as we're recording this, we are actually approaching 3,000 total listens to our podcast. So check that out. The day we're reading about 3,000 in the Bible is the very day that 3,000 people have listened to this podcast about the Torah. Now, I mean, you may believe in coincidences. I personally don't believe in coincidences, but, you know, that's okay. So we actually, I think by the end of today, uh, once this, uh, I think we're 16 shy of 3000, something like that. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be uh 3000. I think that's incredible. All right. So did Moses want to go up to the Lord to make atonement for the people's sin in Exodus 32, 30? He did. What, what a, Moses is awesome. You know, he really is. So, uh, let's go ahead and read, uh, 32, um, uh, 32 and 33. And so that's, um, Moses was an intercessor. He is man. You know, and, and, and that's one of the things, you know, God actually was the one that informed him. So he's up on the mountain, uh, you know, communing with God. God tells him what the people are doing, and he immediately starts to intercede, goes down, throws the tablets, and now he's back up on the mountain. And uh, here's what verses 32 and 33 say. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him I will blot out of my book. So see, everybody's in the book. 
But the question is, is your name blotted out? Mm. It's like going up to the Mater D. You know, you're going up to the Mater D. You're going up to the, you know, you're going to check in at the restaurant, St. Peter, and you see, of course, your name, Plumber Family. Ooh. But there's a line across it. They're not letting you in. Ooh. I'm sorry, Mr. Plumber, but your name has been blotted out. Depart from me. I never knew you. So this is something to think about. Oh. Uh, the Lord did plague the people because of the golden calf. And, uh, you know, the Lord told Moses, hey, these are stiff-necked people. You know, my name is Nick, and I like to use the term stiff Nick. Yeah. Uh, this is where you're not willing to, to, to give and take. You're not willing to receive, to look to the left and the right. You're so narrow-minded you could look through a keyhole with both eyes. That's right. And he calls them stiff-necked twice. Stiff-necked people. Yep. So so remember, Moses churned and saw the burning bush. See, the Father wants you to churn. Churn your hearts to him right now. You know, render your hearts to him. Because he is speaking to us. There are incredible things happening in the earth today. And I'm telling you right now, Beit Tehillah is participating in this opportunity. Now, That's right. the Lord was so angry, he threatened to come into the midst of the people and consume them. He, he This is what he was going to do. He was going to consume the people. He was so angry. Exodus 33, 5. And, uh, of course, the Lord commanded them to put off their, their ornaments, and, and they did all that in Exodus 33, verses 5 and 6. And then uh, it got to the point where uh, uh, in Exodus 33, 7, let's read that, Ryan. All right, so uh, Exodus 33, 7 says, And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. That's an interesting scenario there. The tabernacle of the congregation. So that's interesting. It starts outside the camp, camp, and eventually it becomes the center of the camp, but it starts outside the camp. In Exodus 33.10, let's read that, Ryan. All right, 33.10, it says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Wow, that's incredible. And uh, who never left the tabernacle in Exodus 33, 11? It was Joshua, the son of Nun, man. Joshua, Joshua has the been son faithful, of man. I mean, it's like faithful. every time they mention his name, it's about his faithfulness. And he's Ephraim. I, Ryan, he is Ephraim. This hallelujah. is not a coincidence. <laughs> you know, you think about this. You say that, but Ephraim is messed up. Ephraim man. needs to straighten up. Yeah, so it, it, Joshua is our example in this case. And he we is. need to get right. Joshua's awesome. And start acting like it's Joshua. It's a picture of all of us, Ryan. Let That's me tell you right. something. Joshua was in Egypt. Well, we have Joshua was in the wilderness. That's right. Joshua takes him to the promised That's land. Right. Come on, somebody. Come on. Right? Yep. I was in the world. Right? Yep. I've been in the wilderness, and I, I'm going to the promised land. Amen. I mean, this is exciting. I'm telling you, it really, really is. Um, is the word grace found in this Torah portion? Uh, yes, it is. It, and how many times? Five times. And where, where is it found? Uh, so you're going to find this in Exodus 33, 13, uh, again in verse 16, and again in uh, verse 17, and then in 34, uh, verse 9. Once again, this word grace is chen, C-H-E-N. It means graciousness, kindness, and favor. It means graciousness, kindness, and favor. So did Noah find grace? Yes. Yes, he did. Can we give each other grace? Yes. Absolutely. This is something we need, a dump a dump truck of grace, kindness, favor, and graciousness. That's right. And you know, the word grace, when you think about the Torah, I think people think Torah and they think law, and for some reason they think those two things are opposed. Uh, when in fact, uh, the Torah is God, our Father, His instructions to His children. It is the gift of grace in our life that God has given us instruction to help us. I mean, it's the ability praise not, God. It's the ability not to sin. That's right. So know. two things God gave, uh, or God promised Moses, was His presence and rest. Yep. His presence and rest. And so 
uh, as this story develops, I love this story because you know what? Put yourself in the story. Be Moses. What did Moses want God to show him? Question number 43, Exodus 33, 18. Why don't you read that? I am going to. It says, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. And of course, what part of God did Moses get to see as he stood in the cleft of the rock? Yeah, God told him you couldn't see me uh, because you would die. And so he says, I'll show you my back parts. Wow. He's going to show him the backside. You know, that's, that's incredible, his back parts. And we've had many... Uh, messianic songs in regard to that by Paul Wilbur, uh, Show Me Your Glory by Third Day. Incredible songs to listen to. If you ever want to listen to uh, some songs in that regard. Uh, So Moses made uh, two new tablets of stone. And uh, of course, we know that this is getting ready to go into some protocol here. And who and what was forbidden to come near the mount, Exodus 34.3. Any man nor their flocks. So they had to keep basically everybody and their flocks away from the mount. There you go, because there was some protocol going on here, you know. Um, Was Moses allowed to come up to the mount with the two tables of stone so God would write on them again? Exodus 34, 4? Yeah. Two new tablets. What about, I mean, talk about grace that God gives us. Well, these are the attributes of God's mercy and grace. I mean, if you could read, Ryan, because we're we're running out of time here, but I want Ryan to read Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. This is really uh, incredible, uh, this portion of, of, of scriptures that... Uh, the Jewish people really elaborate on God's mercy and his attributes in, in the mercy that he has. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. Here we go. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generations. There you go. That is incredible, folks. Write that down. Exodus 34, 6, and 7. You can count on this for your own personal life. And here we go. So in question number 51, what did the Lord say would happen if his people made a covenant with the inhabitants of the land? It would be a snare unto them. They'd regret it. Exodus 34, 12. It would be a snare. You can find this reference in Exodus 23, verse 32, and in Deuteronomy 7, 2. Mm-hmm. What comes to my mind is the Oslo Accords. This was a set of agreements between the government of Israel and the PLO signed in Washington, D.C. in 1993. So how has Land for Peace worked for Israel? I don't believe it has worked. You know, uh, I just really don't think that this particular uh, accord has, has worked. It's just not working. Um, here we go. We're going we're gonna to go over a little bit past 30 here, but this is something that all of you need to understand, and this is called the Three National Feast Days. Um were the children of Israel commanded to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days? Yes, that's in 3418. And what about, what two other feasts were the children of Israel commanded to observe? In uh, Exodus 34, verse 22, it's the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, and the Feast of Ingathering, also called Tabernacles, or Sukkot. So here we go. Listen up. Listen up there, brothers and sisters. We have the three national feast days right here. We have Passover, Okay or Pesach, Shavuot, or Pentecost, and now the Feast of Ingathering, Tabernacles. And in Exodus 34, 23, Ryan, how many times a year were the males to appear before the Lord? Well, there's three national feast days and three times to come up. I guess that's three times. Three times. Now, this particular reference of three national feast days, because we know with the Sabbath plus the seven feast days, that's eight. But the three national feast days, Ryan, they share and they show the redemptive plan of God. Amen. Uh, You can find this in Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 through 17. Also in Deuteronomy 16, 
verses 16 to 17. Now, up to this point of the podcast, I want you to listen closely to what I'm going to share with you. Because this is not being taught. This is not being understood. But once you understand this, you're going to realize the fight that you have within you is to be gathered. You want to be gathered. You want to be with others. If something is pulling you away, it is not of God. God is putting us together. Amen? Because we're, we're Amen. two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst in agreement. So here it is, Ryan, real quickly here. And I love this part. I didn't even realize that this was here in Exodus 34. I knew it was in 23 and Deuteronomy 16. But here it is again. It pretty much has slapped me in the face saying, wake up. So we can honestly say that Passover has taken place. That, that, that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Amen. Passover has been fulfilled. What about those that become born again, except Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Yeshua HaMashiach. Are we born again? Is that our Passover? Absolutely. Are people becoming born again even today? Yes, they are. They are giving their life to the Lord. Amen. So here's the cool thing. We know that this has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. What about the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot, Ryan? 3,500 years ago, was a Torah given to a people of Mount Sinai? Definitely. Exodus 19, verse 1 and third month. And then 1,500 years later, guess what else was given? Well, in 2,000 years. And then two, well, 1,500 years after that, and then 2,000 years now we're... We have, of course, the, uh, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. That's right. So has that been fulfilled and is being fulfilled? Oh, yeah. Is the Holy Spirit covering the earth right now? Is the Feast of Shavuot really covering the earth right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, brothers and sisters, we are 2,000 years into the Feast of Ingathering. Wow. So it's important that we come together. It's important that we encourage one another, that we break bread together. Why? Because, see, we're going from the menorah to the table of showbread, Ryan, and this is awesome. I know even as a pastor, sometimes I don't want to be with people. It's like that joke I heard, you know, the guy didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah. He's telling his wife, I'm, I'm tired of those people. I'm tired of going there. I just don't want to go. And she says, you have to, you're the pastor, <laughs> you know? Robbie. And so I, I want to encourage if you're listening to this, really pray against your little quirks and your little gripes against people and your offenses and being judgmental and, and fault finding and finding everybody's weaknesses. Find everybody's strengths. Look at people for what they really are valued for, which is their good stuff. Amen. Amen. That's what we need to do. So did the Lord promise to cast out nations and enlarge their borders? Yes, in chapter 30, uh, yeah, 34, verse 24. And how long was Moses on top of the mountain? Exodus 34, 28. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights. Once again, this is the number for testing. There's many examples of 40 in the Bible. Yep. Did Moses have any bread or water in those 40 days? Nope. He did not. Nope. When Moses came down from the mount with the two tablets of testimony, uh, what was his face like? It says that his face uh, shone or was shining, uh, that it was bright or illuminated. And so, I mean, he was in the very manifest presence of God. Wow. And so his that carried over onto him. How many of you that you can look at people's countenance in the church? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes you're wondering, you know, their idea of God doesn't match their face. That's right. And so what we, we want everything to line up. You know, we want your countenance. It says, look up. Your redemption draweth not. So did Moses wear a veil on his face when he spoke with the people? Uh, question number 62, the last question in the Torah questionnaire, Exodus 34, 33. Yes, he did. Wow. He was really shining on that one, Ryan. What an incredible time to go into, of course, the book of Exodus. Once again, it starts with a groan. It's going to end with the glory. Amen. Amen. Yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening today. We are a little bit over time, but I'll tell you what, this is a packed tour portion uh, we made it through uh, many, many verses and a lot of little things in there uh, that you don't want to just gloss over. I encourage you guys to go back and read it for yourselves. Take it this Sabbath uh, you know, with your family. Read it out loud. Let the Word uh, 
get into the word and let the word get into you. Uh, publicly proclaim the scriptures because what you speak will come towards you. Um, we are big believers in that. Just read it for what it is uh, and absorb it. So if you guys want to reach out, uh, you guys can can contact me via email at ryan at topraise.net. Send any emails that you have for me or Pastor Nick to ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net. Uh, and I will uh, get correspondence with you guys. And then also uh, you can reach us here at the office at 813-654-2222. God bless and shalom. Have a great week.